0: From the Shumway Theater in downtown Rockford, this is the Gildy Pleasures Podcast, presented by Rockford Writers Guild. Here is your host, Connie Koontz. Hi everyone, it's Connie Koontz, and you're listening to the Gildy Pleasures Podcast. It's still season one, it's March, it's episode 12, and Dan Libman is back for his second week. Hi, Dan.
1: Hello, Connie. How are you? Thanks for having me back. I was afraid I wouldn't get an invitation back. <sighs>
0: Please come back. Oh, well. at least a couple more times. I will. Okay.
1: I'll just keep leaving things here, so I have to return and retrieve them.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Today, Dan is going to share a short story with us, and the title is "Basic Red Coffee Pot."
1: The. Basic red coffee pot. The.
0: What year does it take place? I think it takes
1: place. Uh, it's it's circa uh, the early. Uh, teens, do you call that? Like t- t- 2010, 11, 12, something in there. It has a rolling date because when I started, work, it took so long to get published that uh, the kids aged a little bit in there. And, and uh, so it has sort of a rolling feel to it. Those of you who are experts in the area, in the era, will notice that uh, it moves forward in time a couple of years.
0: Okay. And where are we?
1: Oh, we're in Rockford. This is my love letter to Rockford.
0: Okay. Before we begin, your love letter to Rockford. Is there anything you want to tell the kids? Oh yes.
1: Uh, Our younger, our younger listeners should leave the room. There, there is uh, more than just a suggestion of sex in this, Mm -hmm. but it's brief, like like actual sex.
0: Get to stepping, kids. Okay. You ready to begin? I am. Let's jam.
1: Not by choice was Floyd Pottinger, the first great explorer of 8 a.m. Rockford, a brave cartographer of uncivilized lands. Floyd's son, Porter, was having trouble with intro to calculus, and his teacher had found him a tutor who took students for an hour at a time in the breakfast nook of his ranch home on Mulford near State, but was only available Sunday mornings before church. Inconvenient to be sure, but necessary, as the lad really seemed to be struggling. No shame in that, Floyd himself had some ability with math, but had failed three times at beginning Spanish. Once in middle school, again freshman year of high school, and finally one last desperate shot in college. There was even a fourth attempt, but it was at night school in a continued learning program, which he undertook for fun, but stopped going, not because he couldn't figure it out, but because it turned out he had other stuff going on. Each successive attempt at beginning Spanish would get easier than the last. He could fly through early vocabulary, lapis, mesa, vaso de agua, get the taste of a tense, I, we, you, you all, you familiar. Floyd would be on autopilot, cruising effortlessly until reaching something new, something he hadn't encountered in his last try, an irregular verb, a subjunctive case, and he would summarily crash and burn. How, then, could he get mad at Porter for trouble with math? Instead, he sleepily packed both kids in the car and drove from his house in Belvedere to the Tudor in Rockford. Three stores were open early Sundays, and Floyd usually picked one to take his daughter to while Porter worked with the Tudor. But the third weekend in November, with the cold just starting to bite, Floyd pulled the first hat trick of the season and hit all three in search of a coffee maker. The Mr. Coffee Basic was brewing sludge with the coffee. Rather than clean it, his wife, Marilyn, decided to sink 35 bucks into a new one. We don't have any vinegar anyway, so just get a new pot Sunday. Don't look at me like that, Floyd Z, I don't even drink it. Marilyn had quit coffee when Yoga Glossy fingered caffeine as a source of flatulence during various sphincter squeezing stretches, particularly warrior pose, reducing her three-cup habit down to sipping from his mug when Floyd's back was turned. I don't need coffee anymore. I get a lift just grinding the beans and watching you drink yours. She handed him a mug with a moist blob on the rim where her lips had been. Since that time, Marilyn developed an attitude about women who farted throughout advanced yoga. Bernice is like a howitzer from am to namaste. I can tell you what she had for breakfast. So I'm buying a new coffee pot. Yes, Marilyn said, exactly like this, but red to match the toaster. They began at the Home Depot, where he and Kia careened up and down the wide, empty aisles. Floyd swerving recklessly and Kia hanging on the front of the cart like a backward maiden on a ship. She was eight years old and her winter boots were pink and filthy, and Floyd wished she had removed her mittens so she could grip tighter. Shopping in the Home Depot was like buying rocks in a mountain range. So much product on a scale so grossly inhuman that it made Floyd giddy. He could have gone right to the appliances, but he knew to go slow, to deliberate. Sixty minutes was a big chunk of time in Rockford. Pacing was something he had learned as an apprentice plumber. When in someone's warm kitchen, on the clock, and working a cushy hairball on the pipe, you were just kind of acting against your own interests to finish the job quickly. There was always another dispatch at the end of a work order, and the next one might mean reaching into someone's septic or fighting rats in an unfinished crawlspace. Kia was laughing, hanging on tight for dear life as Floyd took a wide turn near the registers. While buzzing an end cap of multicolored duct tape for the girls' amusement, one of the cashiers, a spindly older woman, more orange vest than torso, raised her voice. Sir, they'd rather you didn't let children ride on the carts. Sir! Sir! The next way station in 8 a.m. Rockford was Target, where everything was bright and happy and tidy and orderly and clean and where Kia could not be coaxed back on the front of a cart. Because of what they said in the last store, Floyd asked her. No. Kia hooked her mittened pinky around the wire in the shopping cart and walked glumly alongside, her mud-caked boots working as a kind of civil disobedience against the gleam of the floor. Kia, that cashier was a joy stomper. The only way to combat joy stomping is to not allow your joy to be stomped. Get on the cart. I just don't want to ride anymore. Occasionally he had seen his daughter reduced to tears because he or Marilyn had forgotten to sign her homework the night before and then Kia would have to flip her card and if she did that enough times she would miss an outdoor recess. For Kia, just flipping the card was devastating enough. She simply didn't like to get into trouble. She would leave the room during a beaver rerun if Ward so much as raised an eyebrow toward the boys. And when she was little, she couldn't stand the page in Cat in the Hat, where the fish announces that the mother is coming. Kia would leap off the arm of the gentle brown chair and beg for him to skip to the next page, even when they had read the book many times and knew everything would turn out fine. And Floyd always discussed with her the question posed by the children at the end of the book. Should we tell her about it? Now what should we do? Well, what would you do if your mother asked you? Even if I knew I would get in trouble, I would tell a grown-up, Floyd would pointedly say. Because that's the right thing to do, right Kia? You must always tell a grown-up, right Kia? No matter what. Sometimes Kia would agree that telling a grown-up was the right thing to do without actually saying she would tell the grown-up. And sometimes she sat silent, resentful about being spun in such a ham-handed way. Target had coffee makers, but not red ones. Floyd still had 25 minutes left. Stop number three, Kohl's. He generally avoided because Kohl's depressed him. Shopping at Kohl's was like eating lunch at a Subway, something he only did if he couldn't get back home and all other options were exhausted. If Floyd was eating at Subway, it was only because every single plan he had made for himself that day had gone awry. Subway was lunch for beginners, sandwiches for people who knew their bodies required fuel but had no interest in food, just as Kohl's was shopping for people who needed goods but didn't care what those goods looked like. On the drive over, Floyd had considered various ways of coaxing Kia up for a ride again, but the Cole's shopping cart was more a rolling mesh hanging from an aluminum skeleton, and it seemed like it might actually be dangerous. But Floyd did have success in the houseware section. You took a red one, Kia pointed out. They were in line at the register, and Floyd remembered he hadn't taken Marilyn's charge card, which meant he wasn't going to get a scratch off for a possible discount, which was fine with him because he found the whole charade tedious and undignified. I know, sweetie. I meant to get a red one. But it did mean he was going to have to have the same conversation again about not wanting a Kohl's credit card because his family already had one. And no, the cashier couldn't look it up for him because it was under his wife's last name. And yes, he knew he could get one too. And yes, he knew opening an account would mean 10% off the $40 for the coffee maker on top of whatever mystery discount he might get from the scratch off. Har har. But nevertheless, he didn't want a Kohl's credit card. And no, he didn't have a good reason. He just didn't want one. But the coffee pot at home is black, Daddy. I know. Mom might, she swallowed, be mad. It changes good. Did Daddy ever tell you about all the trouble he had learning beginning Spanish? She nodded. My first year at a going-away college, a sleepover college, which I didn't get to go to until my third year because of financial issues, I decided that I had washed out in beginning Spanish so often I should try a new language. I picked beginning Italian because it's so close to beginning Spanish. Floyd was happy to be distracted from the spectacle of the crone in front of him fishing a coin from her wallet to scratch her discount game card. But what happened was that it was close to beginning Spanish. It hindered the language acquisition process, the learning, and it made things harder. I dropped out in a week. Oh, dear, the woman sweetly sighed, pushing the card back to the cashier. It says only 10%. Kia asked, "'Was this at Rock Valley College?' No, no, this was my semester at uh, Rockford College. When did you go to plumber school? Uh, Right around the time I dropped beginning Italian. I do remember one Italian phrase, Dopo Domani. That means day after tomorrow. He put on a movie accent and gestured broadly with his wrist. Dopo Domani. The cashier was ready for them. May I see your Kohl's card? (laughs) That evening, Marilyn cleaned the kitchen because Thanksgiving was coming up and it was their turn to host, which meant Floyd cleaned the fridge, tossing out all the sour creams, now green, marveling again at another army of quarter-filled salsa jars while calling out to the family that he didn't understand how things had gotten so bad again. He put the old black Mr. Coffee basic into the hefty bag and took it all to the subdivision's dumpster. As he was unpacking the new coffee pot, raising the styrofoam sarcophagus, Marilyn reached around and removed the glass pot. I really like the red handle, she said, and she turned to hold it next to the red toaster, bobbled it, lost her grip on the clear packaging, and dropped it to the kitchen floor where it shattered, mess free, still in the shopping bag. Oh, sorry, she held up a broken bag of glass like a pet store goldfish. It's okay, he grumbled to let her know he was irritated. Just bring it back to Kohl's tomorrow and say it was already broken. He was about to say something about the receipt when Kia ran in the kitchen from the living room looking horrified. You're not allowed to do that. Floyd lowered his head and Marilyn chuckled. Big stores always take stuff back when something's wrong. It's just the cost of doing business. She's right, Mom. Porter came up behind her using his brand new big boy voice. Nothing was wrong. You broke it. It's not right. "'We're joking,' Floyd muttered. "'Your mother was joking. "'A private joke about something that happened "'before we were blessed with you two. Marilyn turned. "'Well, maybe the old coffee pot will fit. "'They're both basics, right? "'It won't have the red handle.' "'Floyd shook his head. "'In the dumpster.' Marilyn winked sweetly toward Porter and Kia. "'I'll get a new one tomorrow,' she said. "'And, Floyd, you can drive through Mickey D for caffeine.' "'Fine,' he said. "'But what are you going to do for coffee?' "'Oh, I don't drink coffee anymore.' The next morning, Floyd drove through Dunkey D for coffee, which threw his timing off, and he had to use the bathroom at a customer's house, something all plumbers are told to avoid if at all possible. He was eager to set up the new pot that evening and asked Marilyn where it was. Didn't go shopping, she told him, but tomorrow morning I'm going to be near coles not the one you went to in Rockford, but the one in DeKalb on Sycamore, because I have a temp job at Cressler's travel agency. I've tempted there before and no one ever calls, so I can sneak across the street and get it. Remind me to bring my charge so I can get a discount card. On Tuesday morning, Floyd had another Dunkin' Donut coffee and came home for lunch. He asked where the new coffee maker was. I didn't have time, Marilyn said, handing him a sandwich. I had to get a pencil case for Porter at that college bookstore, and old man Cressler was in the office all afternoon. In the late afternoon, Marilyn did yoga in the basement and then took a long bath. Floyd let himself get angry. She broke it, she said she'd get another one, she didn't, then she didn't, and she still won't. How was it she was holding out without coffee? Exercise? No way. He went to her car, sure to find a Starbucks cup, so he could storm in the bathroom. Aha, he'd say. All he found in the cup holder was her cell phone, and even that promising flashpoint dissolved because it still had half its charge. He took the phone and plugged it in and then went into the bathroom and said to the smoked glass with as much import as he could muster, you forgot to charge your phone, but I brought it in and plugged it in for you. Her response, thanks, was far less a provocation than he'd hoped for. They ate stir fry for dinner, just vegetable and no chicken, since they were so close to Thanksgiving. Porter and Kia made themselves peanut butter sandwiches because Porter didn't like chicken and Kia didn't like broccoli. And even though the dish had neither offending item, the kids insisted that since they always made sandwiches on stir fry night, that's what they wanted to do now. Still, the combination of Porter glopping enough peanut butter on his bread for eight sandwiches and Kia nervously arranging the napkin on her lap, plus the decrease in his caffeine intake, he was unable to hold back. We're just making the same mistakes over and over again. Same mistakes, family Pottinger. We break something, we don't replace it. We want salsa, we open a new jar. We never check if there's already an open jar of salsa. We eat messy... I ever tell you about the beginner's Spanish dictionary? Marilyn nodded, scooped a blob of peanut butter off the table with her hand, and wiped it back into the jar. The dots, Dad? Porter asked while chewing. On my third go-around with beginner's Spanish, I bought a new dictionary thinking that a change in books might inspire me to do better. I was so enthusiastic that I decided I would put a little black dot next to each word I looked up. I would make those dots and then at the end of the course when I moved on to intermediate Spanish I would fan the dictionary and see all the black dots and it would be a visual representation of what I had learned, each dot a Spanish word I had mastered. So I sat down on the first day of class with my new dictionary and my worksheet and there was a question with a word that I didn't know. I looked it up in my new dictionary and got the English meaning and I took my pencil and put my first black dot next to the Spanish word. I answered the question on my worksheet, got to my second question, and there was another word I didn't know. So I took my Spanish dictionary, and there, next to the new word I was looking up, was a black dot. He paused to let it sink in. It was the same word. We're just spinning our wheels, Marilyn, making the same mistakes over and over again. He watched Porter reaching for another set of bread slices while Kia chewed her potato chips. She was counting chews. No one said anything, and when Marilyn realized he was looking at her, she smiled at him kindly, the way a kindergarten teacher smiles at a kid who has drawn a picture for her. My head is throbbing. Floyd told her, we need to get a working coffee pot soon. They had sex that night. And it was sweet and easy, even though when Marilyn took her knees and raised her legs, it occurred to him that she was maybe practicing some yoga position, stacking chores, the same way she did the dishes while talking to her sister on the phone. In fact, as he got more frenzied, he thought he could detect that her breathing was regulated. She was counting. Inhale, one, two, three. Hold it, one, two, three. Exhale, one, two, three. He could recall Denise Austin calling for just that exact rhythm on the Denise Austin's 25-minute Iyengar yoga workout DVD Marilyn watched. He decided to keep thinking about Denise Austin in her yoga clothes. When they were done, he asked, You come? Yep, nice and tingly. Lots of waves. You? Yeah, real good. I can tell you haven't masturbated for a while. Ha ha, Marilyn. Must be busy at work. Ha ha. Oh, by the way, namaste. What? Nothing. Nothing. Why did you say that? Said nothing. Good night. (music) They awoke when Kia opened the bedroom door and patted over to Marilyn's side. Mom, she said. Mom, Mom. When Marilyn got the table lamp on, they found Kia holding a book. Mom, do you really want to be a giraffe? What now, Marilyn croaked. In the book, it's what you said. She opened an old Dr. Seuss, My Book About Me, the one Marilyn had written in as a child. With a blunt orange crayon, Kia pointed to where Marilyn had checked the box referring to giraffes. Marilyn grunted, "'Uh, I guess not. The book only gives you a couple of choices.' "'Then I'm going to cross out your mistake,' Floyd stirred. "'No, honey. The book represents what Mom thought when she was little. "'Did you ever have blonde hair, Mom? Mom?' "'Mom, not to offend you, but did you ever have blonde hair? "'Why did you draw your hair like this?' Before Floyd could stop her, Key had darkened with a black crayon the orange and yellow hair Marilyn had drawn when she was a child. He got up to use the bathroom and shower, and by the time he was finished, everyone had settled into the kitchen. He went to the coffee pot before remembering. He knew not to show anger. That was sort of the unspoken deal.' If they had sex, Floyd had to go a certain amount of time without a flare-up, without correcting her on anything. Otherwise, gee, she would say, I would have thought under the circumstances you would be in a better mood this morning. Guess I'll have to remember the next time you come a-knockin'. No work the day before Thanksgiving, no excuse to drive through anywhere, and he refused the black tea Marilyn offered him on principle, though he noted with some satisfaction she was gulping hers down with some urgency. (laughs) Floyd's parents flew in from Sarasota, and the Pottingers met them at Rockford International, Kia bouncing on her heels with excitement. Even Porter wasn't too old to get worked up by a visit from Minzy and Popsy. Turbulent flight, Floydsey! Popsy was shaky, but still could hoist Kia for a wet raspberry on the neck. We should eat something before mother has a blood sugar issue! Close and easy. A subway sandwich or something would be fine. Floyd licked his lips, wrestling with his crabbiness, which seemed to have him in a sleeper hold. He could hear the ref counting. Do you ever get tired of suggesting the same stupid restaurant over and over, if Subway can even be classified as a restaurant? Popsy put his hand up comically, signaling, What's wrong with this guy? Porter busted up, thrilled to be in on the joke. His mother ruffled Floyd's hair. Sounds like someone didn't get enough coffee this morning. Marilyn ruffled the other side of Floyd's head. Well, it's my fault because I dropped... We'll go to Potbelly, Floyd took them all loose. It's like Subway, but a little better, just slightly. You were kind of hard on your dad back there, Marilyn said once the kids had been settled into the back seat of his parents' rental. Floyd checked the mirror to make sure they were following, could see them all having an animated conversation, having fun. Floyd slowly led them through the intersection. Doesn't anyone want to get any better at anything? He said it calmly, resisting the urge to spin in his car seat and lash out, recognizing the impulse was nearly 60% caffeine-related, maybe 55%. We're going to all just be content making the same ten mistakes every single day. Suggesting Subway over Potbelly isn't a capital offense. You're too picky. Marilyn raised up in her seat, stiffened her spine, lined her shoulders together, hung her arms as best she could, and took a deep breath. Try to find... Equanimity, Floydsey, with life. 12.30 p.m. weekday Rockford was so different from Sunday morning that seeing it was almost excruciating, like staring into the burning bush. All the stores were open, and the parking lots were full. Floyd had to stand in line for the sandwiches while Porter held a table. When they finished eating, Marilyn collected all the wrappers and cups and shoved it into the garbage. The kids returned to the back seat of his parents' rental, tussling for the position behind the driver. Marilyn and I have to get a new coffee pot, Floyd told his dad. Porter knows where the key is hidden. Marilyn directed Floyd to drive back to the strip mall with the coals. He asked, Did you bring the Kohl's card? Oh, shoot. Know what? Marilyn pointed forward. There's a Bed Bath & Beyond right in the same mall. Would this be less painful for you if we made the purchase in a different store? Maybe, he conceded. Did you bring one of those 10% coupons Bed Bath & Beyond always send? I think so. Marilyn opened the glove box. No, I thought you were going to put some in the glove box so that I told you to put some in the car. Do me a favor. You stay in the car. I'll come get you when I'm done. Try not to talk to anyone until we get some coffee made. Instead, Floyd paced on the narrow sidewalk, even though it was clearly only intended for people to cross from parking lot to the stores, not to stroll on horizontally. If Floyd squinted, he could make out an office supply wholesaler where he could get a new ink cartridge for the family printer, only he hadn't thought to bring the old one, which he could get refilled cheaper. Or he could walk back into the lot and try to find a Starbucks. Or he could go to Target. Or he could... When his phone began buzzing in his hand, he realized he had been standing still, staring into space, lost. He wasn't sure for how long. Floyd! They sell replacements of the basic pots in the Bed Bath & Beyond. They don't have red, but we can get another black one and they're only $15. Come quick. I'm nearly at the register and I don't have my visa. When he stepped through the sliding doors, Marilyn was already handing the replacement pot to the cashier. He took out his credit card and couldn't help himself, was unable to not tell the cashier, we have one of those 10% coupons, but not with us. She was a young woman with a whole slew of novelty buttons on her vest. "'Bring the receipt back and we'll prorate Floyd Cutter off. "'Yeah, I I know the drill, "'because I always forget to bring the coupons. "'Also, I know I won't come back for the discount. "'You'd be surprised at how often people don't.' Floyd couldn't swipe the card, which he held perched right at the lip of the magnetic chute. His coffee headache was tremendous, possibly causing the dark spots now swimming in his vision. "'So then,' he said quietly, "'since Bed Bath & Beyond acknowledges "'that everyone on the planet has a coupon,' Why not then just take the ten percent off now instead of making me go through the charade of going home, finding the damn thing, bringing it back? Marilyn pushed his hand and the machine dinged its approval of the sale. Let's get you home and try out that new pot, she said. Outside the kitchen window, his father pitched a ball to Kia, who swung wildly. Porter was catching, and he had a chase after the wild pitch. Even his mother was planted with an old mitt near a pizza box being used for second base. Marilyn sat across from him with two matching coffee mugs. Her t-shirt said Porn Star, and Floyd felt happy to be with her. In fact, as he took his first sip, his tongue absorbing the coffee like a neglected houseplant, he thought he loved Marilyn more than he could express. She started telling a story. At the travel agency on Tuesday, this guy called and said some other word for what they speak in Spain. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they speak Spanish in Spain. Floyd held the coffee in his mouth, rolled it around, swallowed it. Castilian, he said. Oh, that is what he called it. Don't tell me that guy was right. I thought he was nuts. They speak Castilian in Spain. But you were right, too, because Castilian is Spanish. You're so smart, Marilyn said, and thanks for trying to not make me feel bad. I appreciate that too. Aren't they being cute out there, playing ball in this weather? Floyd basked in her compliment. His wife thought he was smart. What could be better than that? But he felt uneasy about it suddenly. He was a fraud. He only knew those things about Spain because he had failed beginning Spanish so many times. He wasn't smart at all. He only knew what he knew because he had failed at so many things so many times. True. He was lucky to enjoy his job. He loved plumbing really, the feeling of coming to someone's house and being so needed, changing a homeowner's panic into relief just because he could do something they couldn't. But he was only a plumber because he had washed out of college, and he had let his parents down, especially his dad who wanted him to be a divorce lawyer like he was, and even had to pull some strings just to get him into trade school. He had met Marilyn while drunk in a bar, and while he loved his kids, he occasionally wondered what would have happened in his life if he hadn't gotten her pregnant and then married her. And here she was saying he was smart and kind, and Floyd knew he was neither of those things, even though he wished he were. He had the urge to confess suddenly, a powerful, weepy desire to tell Marilyn he loved her. He loved her, but that actually he was a failure and dumb and nothing special at all, and then beg her forgiveness. It was right there, this confession, but he held back a moment. Should he tell her about it? Now, what should he do? Well, what would you do if your wife thought that about you?
0: Aw, Dan.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Connie, aw. for that awe.
0: <laughs> yeah, beautiful story. Thank you a lot going on uh, yeah I guess so well, I want to hear about what your life was like when you wrote this story first of all what year did you start writing it
1: I think I started writing it um, probably around 2007 and it probably worked on it for three or four years uh, and then and then I kept tweaking it I sent it out to a lot of places it got rejected all over the place all the finest magazines rejected it mm-hmm. um, and then um, I kind of gave up on it and I um, I was invited to do a reading in a bar, and I did the reading, and I did really well in the reading, and then another guy said, I published this magazine, and he told me what it was, and did I have anything, and and I did, so I sent him that one, and he said he loved it.
0: Well, tell me what was going on in your life personally, because it's such a personal story. You call this yeah. a love letter to Rockford. Tell us what your life was like. How old were your kids? What was they? I
1: think like? when I started writing it, they were that age. I, I guess so that maybe like middle school, probably, probably fourth grade. And does that sound about right for it those does. kids? My kids are now 19 and 16, so I can barely remember what little kids are like. But those kids are sweet. Mm-hmm. My kids aren't uh, sweet anymore. they're they're great, but they just they're not sweet. But anyway, uh, sweet is overrated. They probably hopefully they won't listen to this.
0: I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they do too, but
1: they tend not to. Um, so yeah, that's what was going on. I mean I was I was driving up to Rockford to do some tutoring for my son, and my daughter and I would kill the hour. and uh, I don't really live in Belvedere and I'm not a plumber. Mm-hmm. and my wife isn't anything like that woman, although she does do yoga mm-hmm. um, and often goes off coffee. Uh, supposedly, and will drink my coffee. Uh, currently, she's drinking coffee. Um, Good. So, I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some elements from real life, but most of it is kind of uh, um, imagined. I mean, I guess the most realistic thing is 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 Floyd's attitude about subway and the the kind of the shops that one goes to hmm. in a in a city. And uh, those, those basically are my attitudes.
0: I want to talk about how come it took. To- took so long to write this mm-hmm. i want to talk about that and i want to see is that how your process usually is do things usually take a while for you or do you sometimes yeah. just get things done in 20 minutes and no
1: i never get things done in 20 minutes <laughs> i i i get i usually have four or five things going at once and um i remember in grad school uh, did we talk about this last last <laughs> i couldn't remember if i mentioned this last podcast but like this my teacher asked me w- what are some of the i did say the story so i'm just gonna
0: let's hear it gloss I, over
1: it okay well um Everybody in grad school was so serious about their writing. And Mm -hmm. so we we had this one session where we had to talk about all the things, all the difficulties one has and, you know, focusing and being able to focus and all the stuff you have to clear your schedule and stuff like that. When the room when it went around to my turn to speak, I said, I like to do a lot of other stuff other than write. And there was like this shocked silence. But, you know, it's true. I like to, there's other stuff I like to do. Mm -hmm. So I generally have like four or five stories that are going, that are in some stage of Development that I'm thinking about. And I'm not always thinking about them, but maybe I'll write like a page or half a page. And then something will happen where it'll just click and then I finish it. Okay. And that process might take like two weeks and then I'll bang out 15 pages. But I'm rewriting always, always, always. And then what happens is I start to send them out. And every time I send it out, every time I get a rejection, I tend to go back in and tweak it a little bit. So this one is this is a really like a very highly tweaked story because I had gone over it so many times before it had gotten um accepted somewhere. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you a question. All right. What was your professional life like back in 2007 through 2000 2000- 12, 12, yeah. I mean, it was was similar
1: in terms of the writing or in terms of the... In
0: terms of your profession at the university. Yeah, I
1: had the same job. I mean, I I teach creative writing. Actually, I wasn't teaching creative writing at that point. I was just teaching fresh first year composition, first year rhetoric, Mm -hmm. FICOMP, they call it. They don't call it freshman anymore. Uh, first year composition. And um, I've been doing that for years, and I love that. And then um, the the creative writing teacher that they had at Northern moved on. And so they asked my wife and I, my wife's also Molly McNett, who's also published, uh, to sort of split that workload. So we do the um, creative writing one and creative writing two, and we switch off which one we teach. And, you know, and it's been really good. And that was about... 2008 when we started doing that
0: okay i have a question for you okay our first author was dan klestad who works in public radio (laughs) and our second author is sharon nesbitt davis who works in the arts council Mm -hmm. i just met her oh cool she's a great lady yes and it dawned on me the authors that are coming to these podcasts all really contribute to the greater good they are Mm -hmm. making the world a better place now Uh i know how i think you make the world a better place but how do you think (laughs) you make the world a better place i
1: boy that's that's a good question i mean my first thought when you said that is that i kind of stay out of the world's way and i think that that's good for the world
0: totally disagree i don't mean to interrupt yeah. <laughs> but you're a biker oh that's right yeah a I cyclist did. excuse me and yeah. that's the opposite of staying out of the world yeah that i get the, in the way you are in of traffic and stuff yeah not in the way of traffic. <laughs> yeah. we're in your way uh-huh but you are part of the world you're part of the ambiance. i mean yeah so that's not i don't mean to interrupt
1: no well i think that that does i i do think that i don't i have I'm writing bicycle stuff more and more. And actually, you just mentioned it. I forgot that I had written this essay about um, um, what are those things called on Friday? Oh, the the critical masses. Oh, uh, yeah. And, I've and, seen you guys. Yeah. And I had gotten that published in a critical mass volume. So, I mean, I do, I do write a lot about biking. And I think that there is a place to uh, for cycling in terms of making the world a better place. It is better on a bicycle. It's not just an empty platitude, but it's better to slow down. One of the first things I did for Dan Kleff's dad. in fact, it was the first, well, it was one of the first things I did for him, uh, is I rode my bicycle on the uh, Lincoln Highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first mile of the Lincoln Highway, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this for the podcast, but is actually in, uh, it's in DeKalb, it's near DeKalb. Uh, that was the first cement paved mile of the Lincoln Highway. And so on the 100-year anniversary, I rode from one end of the uh, WNIJ listening area on my bicycle back and forth. I did it a couple times. And you can, you know, sort of replicate the speed of the cars at the time. A hundred years ago, you were supposed to go 18 miles an hour, which is about what I was doing on my bicycle sometimes. And, uh, you know, you could see what it looked like. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that a bicycle really is another thing that I that I would say a bicycle does for you is it keeps your phone out of your hand. Mm-hmm. Not everybody. Some people do actually ride with their with their. They I've have seen these, it. Yeah. yeah. on the handlebar you can mount your phone, and I look and I see people doing that, and I think, yeah, you're missing the whole point. But yeah, the, what's great about it is that when you think a thought or you're having a conversation with somebody, you can't immediately go and look up the correct answer. It forces your brain to sort of come up with other things. Well, maybe so and so wrote that song or who was the person who was in that movie and you know and that's how your brain kind of works
0: i have to ask is this is there a correlation between the way you cycle and the way you write
1: i yeah i think so i think so in the sense that i try not to get the answer to something I, on a very um just kind of on a very roots level I don't I I refuse to use uh, uh, an electronic dictionary because uh, when you when you search for the spelling of a word electronically all you get is the spelling of that word but if you use a dictionary and I try to use I have a big American heritage dictionary and you know you use that there's 15 words on the page that you've never seen before or heard of before and your eyes going to hit one and you're going to be interested in something and um, it's sort of a bigger problem I was just talking to the people I work with about this because we also teach research papers to this uh, first year composition students. And I I think that the way we're searching now, we're sending these students out to search for things, all they're finding is exactly what they're looking for. You put in the search terms, and you get exactly what you're looking for out. And you're, you're missing serendipity, and you're missing all these connections of things in in an encyclopedia i don't know if you remember encyclopedias but do. you know you learned about the thing you were looking up but also the thing that is spelled almost exactly like the thing you're looking up and and uh, that's how you know that's how your interest grows and grows so i'm not sure what's going to eventually happen to people when all they're doing is getting all they're finding is exactly what they're looking for i think mm-hmm. that's sort of a negative thing and in a in a very broad way bicycles do that for you because you don't know what's going to happen on the bike. You could get a flat tire. You can't really plan your bike trip the way you can plan your car trip. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have to improvise.
0: So is this part of how you're making the world a better place, encouraging other people to join a critical mass? Yeah, maybe so.
1: I I mean, I hadn't thought about that, but maybe you're referring to, I don't, when this podcast aired, it'll be a while back, but just yesterday in Rockford, we had this frostbite 40 where, um, all the, it was, it was, it, it wasn't, frostbite weather actually in fact it was the roads were very muddy and very wet but (laughs) um, about 100 cyclists went out to pecatonica and we did 40 mile loop and we raised money it was a free ride but we there was a raffle and everybody donated money and I think that money the um, um, Freeport Bicycle Company was uh, collecting money I believe for their for their uh, for the police department in Freeport because they have a bicycle squad and so they were going to help Buy them bikes or repair them. I'm not sure what exactly it was. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, it can it can be just very concrete like that. It is, doesn't have to be ephemeral in terms of, of, of what a bike can do.
0: May I ask you another question about your bike culture? Oh, I suppose. Is that okay? I don't want no, okay. yeah, to. Okay. Well, how did you come up with Fur Bandit? Who is... I've seen them. I didn't know that was you until I started to get to know you. Could yeah. you tell us a little bit about how that came to be, the Fur sure, Bandits?
1: Sure, sure. I mean, the, I, the, I'm not the. I'm in the Fur Bandits, mm-hmm. but the, the Fur Bandits um, was started by a guy named DJ Wilson mm-hmm. who, in Rockford, I think he uh, runs, it's a tow truck company. Coachlight. Is that what it is? I can't remember the name of his. Does that I sound don't like a know. towing company? Anyway, he's a great guy. And, uh, you know, he the, the Fur Bandits, it's sort of this organic group of people we do put fur on our bikes, and mm-hmm. it's it's fun, and it's silly, and we raise money for charity and stuff like that. But um, w- with this guy, DJ, is he's a young man. I think he's probably in his late 20s, maybe early 30s. I don't know exactly. But um, he, uh, he just gathers all these people and just says, hey, do you want to ride with us? And, and uh, they found me because uh, my car needed a, a jump. So I called the tow truck. And the tow truck driver came out, and he and and it was one of their tow trucks. And he said, "Oh, you got a bike hitch? Do you ever have you ever heard of the Fur Bandits?" And I said, "No." He said, "Oh well, my the, my boss is he runs the Fur Bandits. You want them to call you?" And I said, uh, "Okay, I guess." And then they did call me, and it really has changed my life, you know.
0: And that is proof that you are walking the walk not just talking the talk in that you do things not yeah. to find something but to open yourself to a new experience yeah
1: that's that's a nice way of thinking about it yeah and and in the fur band it's um it, there it's sort it's such a uh, um protean group that you know it's it's you're never exactly sure who's an actual member and who's not some people have fur on their bike some people don't and you know but um there seems to be a core group and and uh, most, mostly, mostly we do good. There's also a good deal of having fun and drinking and well, being thank on God. bicycles. Yeah, yeah. That,
0: that's important too. Yeah. <laughs> um, back to your writing culture. Okay. Um, next episode is n- number thirteen. Okay. And oh, I know good. you. And I know you have two short stories that you may or may not share. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything unlucky that you'd like to talk about or share hmm. next episode?
1: Unlucky in terms of the writing?
0: Unlucky in terms of Dan Libman.
1: Oh, man. Well, it's something to think about. I I, oh, I hate to be corny. I mean, I hate to sound like uh, Floyd Pottinger there at the end of the story, but he I I mean, I'm living a pretty lucky life. Mm-hmm. Even like being in Rockford, I, I consider it a stroke of luck. When I first came, I mean, I, I was mostly in large. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I was born in Chicago, and I lived in Baltimore. So, the, I mean, there was I spent a lot of time in cities. And... um. We don't live in Rockford now, we live in Oregon, which is near Rockford. Rockford's my biggest city. So I'm in I'm here all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like you know, Rockford has this sort of self effacement issue, There's kind of like this underachieving kinda of attitude about Rockford, I've which heard of I that. Yeah, have you, have you encountered that a time or two? <laughs> And I kind of bought into that too, you know, in the, when I was first here, I was like, oh man, this place sucks, but it doesn't suck. And it it takes like three or four years. Well, I'm, I'm a slow learner, but it took me three or four (laughs) years to figure out that there's a ton of great things here. There's, there may not be as many restaurants as Chicago, but how many restaurants do you need to have in your repertoire if you're going out to eat once or twice a month or whatever? And there might not be as many um, opportunities for, you know, as many museums, but there's some museums here and. And you couldn't have a group like the fur bandits in Chicago because everybody would be trying to impress each other with how great their bikes are. Or, mm-hmm. You know. So I mean, Rockford has its own specific thing. And also I, I'm trying to be careful. I'm I'm not trying to claim that I'm some big Rockford expert. I, I came here late and I'm just feel lucky to be here. But um uh so I have to say no, I'm I'm lucky. I'm a lucky boy.
0: So writers have a reputation for being isolated, yeah. angry, cynical. Nothing bumming you out that you want to talk about? Oh,
1: I'm I'm very angry and very cynical. I, I love anger. I hold a lot of grudges. I have, a, okay. I have a I'm a very big grudge holder. One of my big jokes is that Libman, uh, is my last name is uh, it's Russian for he who holds the grudge on behalf of the village. But uh,
0: wow, <laughs> I think it's a good joke.
1: <laughs> Although my daughter uh, actually heard me say it and then i believe she said it in school she told her teacher that, or, <laughs> that that's what it meant um yeah no i'm very uh, i would and i would say that i can uh, definitely be bitter in fact just today i was complaining to my wife about one of our really good friends one of our really old dear friends i just decided something that he did seven years ago still upsetting to me mm-hmm. and she just listens and then after a while she says okay that's that's enough now we're going <laughs> out with them again by the way oh yeah okay
0: Hmm. yeah i almost don't know what to say to that <laughs> i hope he's not listening
1: oh he won't he won't think it's him okay good. that's his gift
0: <laughs> oh i know that gift yeah <laughs> okay uh what do you want to say about this story the one i just read yes please
1: uh you know when I, I, I first of all i love doing this this podcast it's it's sort of fun to to go back and revisit that and and i it's it's jokier than i remembered it being but you know the the thing about the spanish classes that's that's actually that's the thing that really is, was the driving force and mm-hmm. that's all really true the, the story about the dots i did do that the second word i looked up was the same as the first word mm-hmm. and uh, instead of being this big triumphant moment it just reminded me of how uh, you know shitty i am and oh. <laughs> you know language acquisition but um uh yeah, I guess I guess I'm fond of the story. Mm-hmm. I think that I, I think I did do something. There's a couple of short stories that I've written that I that I set out to do something. I'm not sure I set out to do it with this one, but I think it does accomplish something. I mean, there's that that level of sort of like engagement with the world that Floyd has. His mm-hmm. his just Endless anger at Bed Bath and & Beyond and Kohl's and stuff like that. And I, I think that um, yeah. it seethes, but it doesn't, it's not crippling. One would hope it's not that crippling for Floyd. And, you know, when he's caffeinated, he can think through things a little bit more clearly. Um, I think that I did do, I think I did that well. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't often.
0: How did you choose the title? Basic Red Coffee Pot, comma, The.
1: Yeah. Um, the the story's filled with basic things the basic coffee pot and you know beginner spanish i made sure that the math class was beginner algebra or intro to algebra or something like that i was trying to put adjectives in front of all the is that an adjective yeah i was trying to put all that stuff (laughs) i teach english so i got that right um i don't know i mean it it was sort of like that was the idea the, the the world has got all these um levels and stuff like that and you try to reach a certain level and you try to uh um attain a mastery of beginning but then there's always intermediate and intermediate and after that there's probably an advanced spanish i don't know i never made it that far okay so i think that's what i was thinking about with the with the basic red copy pot, just sort of how it would be described literally how it would be described in a catalog or an index with the article at the end
0: yes i have one more question before we wrap up this little interview Last week, you said you have this goal, this dream, this vision, this something of yeah. writing this huge novel. Oh, now, yeah. How's it going from last week? What's the dream this week? Is it the same? Have you finessed it uh, a little bit? The dream,
1: I, I think, you're. yeah, you're right. The dream does change from maybe moment to moment. I mean, I'd still like to have like some sort of valuable, some piece of work that's out in the world that was of value to people. What that might be, I don't know. I mean, maybe this big novel that I have in mind. Um excuse me is um maybe not the thing maybe the idea about um it's interesting that we were talking about bicycle riding because i have been thinking about riding a longer thing about bicycles i want to take this ambitious bike trip just just to do the bike trip would be ambitious that i have in mind i want to bike down route 66 Mm -hmm. did i talk about that last we we did okay (laughs) well a lot of people have done that but um Oh, yeah, yeah. I mentioned Cheryl Strayed and all that stuff. But, yeah, so I, I, that's what I've really been focusing on. Mm-hmm. Almost not so much to sell the book uh, or to write the book, but to to make it so that I can't back out in doing it. I want enough people to know that I'm going to do it so that when I wake up on that first day of June and say, I, I don't want to do this, that I can't because gotcha. it would be too humiliating.
0: Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Is there anything you want to tell the listeners before we sign off in terms of advice or...
1: Uh, in what area? Financial? Oh. I think you should diversify your portfolio. Mm, totally disagree, but okay. not,
0: <laughs> 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 agree to. No. Uh, just writing. What do you want to tell people? We always want our listeners to go write. Okay. So, what are you going to tell them? You know what? I- did I do this last week? You told him to go watch Netflix last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. I, I'm, I'm
1: making my way through uh, peaky blinders right now. You know what? I, and I tell this, this is something that I, I say to my students about revision. I have like this sort of like religious um, affinity about revision. I, I, I think like once you discover re- uh, religion, once you discover revision, uh, it really is the key to the kingdom because you don't have to, sitting down, when you have an idea, having an idea is the worst thing because then you have to sit down and convey that idea and it never it's never good at least for me i'm just talking about my own experience but you can revise it and you can't revise it until the first shitty draft comes out so write that shitty draft make it as shitty as possible make it fast make it non-grammatical just just get the ideas down there and then revise it and really force yourself to revise it. Um, work, on, work on every page over and over again. Work on every paragraph. And um, do little tricks. The, the, the best sort of writing thing that ever happened to me was I, I got this magazine article accepted, in a details magazine, and it was about, um, uh, it, well, it was called The Cup. What was It was about uh, artificial insemination. It was about having to give a, uh, uh, a sample mm-hmm. at a uh, clinic.
0: I hope it's a clinic. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, you know, you give samples and many places, This was a this was a clinical uh, uh, sample. Anyway, the, it was it was kind of smartassy. It's a, a lad mag and that kind of thing. And I sent it to the editor, and the editor said, "Well, we really like this, but it's got to be tooth. It's got to be a third shorter. You got to make it a third shorter, but it's got to be exactly the same. You got all these jokes. We want all these jokes. Don't take out any of the jokes or any of the things that happen. But it's got to be a third shorter." Well, I thought that that was impossible, but it really isn't. You just set yourself on this task, I'm going to take one word out of every sentence. And once you start doing that, you realize how many wasted words you you have, you know, over there. And you could just make it say over. And, you know, that's a bad example. But, you know, just you tell yourself, I'm going to take out one word out of every sentence one sentence out of every paragraph one paragraph out of every page one page out of every chapter just keep shrinkifying shrinkifying and the more you take away the smaller you make your thing the better it'll be and it really and then you know if you're like me if you can get it down to actually just nothing you then you've really done the world a favor
0: okay preach zero out <laughs> <laughs> you're crazy Will you come back next week?
1: Absolutely. You'll have trouble keeping me away. When you tell me this is over, I'm going to be back again. (laughs) Who's your next guest? Because I'm just going to be. Just
0: Dan Libman, Dan Libman, Dan Libman. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Connie. See see you in a week. Yeah. A version of Basic Red Coffee Pot, The, by Dan Libman, was previously
1: published by Chicago Center for Literature and Photography. The Guilty Pleasures podcast is made possible by Rockford Writers Guild. Rockford Area Arts Council, and you, our listeners. Rate and review us on iTunes or Google Play. Email feedback to editor at rockfordwritersguild.org. Follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Rockford Writers Guild and at Guilty Pleasures on Twitter and Instagram. This is your producer, Jesse Kuntz. Thanks for listening. Now go
0: write.